Hello and welcome. You are listening to the teaching ministry of Coastal Oaks Church in Rockport, Texas. It is our hope that you will be encouraged and that your desire to follow Jesus Christ will be challenged and strengthened as you listen to this podcast. For more information on location, service times, and what to expect on your next visit, go to coastaloakschurch.org. Now grab your Bible and study along with us as you listen. Take your Bible open to the prophet Jonah. And if you're wondering, wait a minute, we've been in Kings and other places and we skipped a whole portion of the Old Testament. That's because we're going chronological. And in 2 Kings, Jonah, that's where his ministry is um, in that time. So we're kind of just falling right in line with what's happening, um, not only around Israel, but also what's happening in Nineveh. Wondered if you've... uh, ever strayed off course from the map app on your phone, thinking that you perhaps knew a better way, or you just missed your turn, or you think that left turn's going to take me into Aransas Bay, and that's not the right way to go. Uh, You know, and in that nice little voice, it will offer a course correction, or it'll say something along the lines of recalculating. Jonah found out the hard way, mind you, that... When God calls and sends his people to share the message of the gospel, that God, he is absolutely serious about that call. And we get to a place when we're leaning on our own understanding, thinking that we know better than God who needs the grace of God, rather than trusting him and trusting that calling and that sending that he places in our life as followers of Jesus, we too can get into trouble. We need to understand that following Jesus inherently means that we are committed, fully, willing to follow his direction, his calling, his sending, and to stop leaning on our own understanding. But more than learning just about life from Jonah's perspective, I want you to understand, or at least maybe for us to grasp the big picture of Jonah, which is actually don't do what Jonah did, but rather see the big picture of God's gracious pursuit of sinners. It's been said that Jonah is the whole Bible in four chapters. So we're going to look at those four this morning. So from Jonah chapter one, if you would stand with me as I read, we're going to read the first six verses and then we'll come back along the way and hit those that I'm referencing But the first six set the scene for us. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with him to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship, and had laid down, and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, sleeper? Arise! Call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. 
Father, thank you for your word this morning that is right and true and powerful, sharper than any double-edged sword that is able to pierce deep into our heart and into our soul. Father, my prayer is that you open our ears this morning so that we may hear, our eyes so that we may see, our hearts and our minds so that we may comprehend how great and awesome your grace and mercy are. That we would see and understand that we too are called and sent with the gospel in that continual pursuit of the sinner. Lord, that you have not given up in that pursuit, that you call the church today to go with the good news. Father, what we are not, I pray that you would make us. What we do not have, I pray that you would provide for us. And what we do not know, teach us for your glory and our good. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you, church. You may be seated for a little while. Let's talk about God's patience first this morning. When, when God calls his people to something new, it could and might often feel like it would be too difficult. Right? That newness is called to be a challenge to us. It might even seem impossible. Maybe, though, our mind is just off a little bit and we're leaning on our own understanding like Jonah. But what we need to understand is that it's always for our good and our sanctification that God calls us. When we see Jonah, when we pick up in chapter 1, Jonah is in a good place. 2 Kings chapter 14 uh, mentions him there in his prophecy regarding Jeroboam the second, and that Jeroboam's kingdom would grow and expand. Most think at this point he's known, maybe even popular. But then God calls him from that place of comfort, that place called home, and called him to go to Nineveh and to preach to the Ninevites. Nineveh is a, is a group of people called the Assyrians. If you go back in history, particularly in scripture, you will find the Assyrians are never mentioned in, in a particularly good light. They're brutal. In fact, what we read is their evil has come up to the Lord. They are certainly a rebellious people. And they're brutal in their tactics when that kingdom expanded. It was not a place that Jonah really wanted to go, maybe for multiple reasons. Now, he gives the real reason at the end of this story but at least for now, perhaps it was the brutality of these people. But what we find in God's patience and his long suffering for sinners is that there is grace. He offers grace for the rebellious. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9, Peter writes to the church about the slowness of God. And he says, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness. He is patient toward you, not wanting any, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. God sent Jonah to a rebellious people. Notice the calling to Jonah there in verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, get up and go. There is zero ambiguity in the word of God to Jonah. He didn't say, I want you to go to this region. No, he said, I want you to go to Nineveh. Go to that great city. God knew that place. Now, were those people calling on God? No. How did he know? Because we see in this story particularly that God is 
everywhere, always present, always knowing, all powerful. Now let's think about Nineveh for a moment. It's a great city. God said it's up. It's a great city. If you measure it compared to the standard of the world, it was at the top of its class in that day. Chapter 4 tells us that there were about 120,000 people there. Oh, that's like, well, that's like a third the size of Corpus Christi. That's not very big. But in that day, it's a booming metropolis. Chapter 3, verse 3 stated that it, it took Jonah three days to walk through the city with his message. So you understand the, the size of that place. Not only was it a great city in worldly standards, God says it's a great city because it's full of great sin. Their evil has come before me. What we pull from that, friends, is that everyone, everywhere, is under and subject to the rule and reign of God. Everywhere, always present, our God is. And we know that one day, one day, as Paul wrote, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. He is over his creation. He is over it. He is involved in the affairs of life on his, on his creation and for his creation. And so God has sent Jonah to call the Ninevites to himself. That was the original plan for Israel, that they would be a blessing, not only uh, that God would bless them in order to bless the nations, that they would draw the nations to the Lord himself. They would see this people, their God is the one true and living God. He is all powerful. He is the great I am. That was the plan originally. And so here is God using one of his prophets to draw the Ninevites back to himself. To me, that's amazing. It's what John Newton wrote in Amazing Grace. That God would be gracious to these people, as brutal and evil as the Assyrians were, living in outright rebellion for generations, having never called on the name of God like Israel had done from time to time in their past, never having that relationship with God, and yet God is calling them to repentance so that they too would know the greatness of God's grace and his mercy. It's a fabulous God that we have, that, that it loves and cares for us. But then Jonah doesn't respond the way we might think a prophet of God should respond, does he? And by his actions, he's saying no. He got up, but he ran to Tarshish instead. It's not so much the location of Tarshish that's the problem. The problem is that he was trying to get away from God. Verse 3 tells us that he was trying to get away from the presence of the Lord. That's a big problem for a man of God, isn't it? The call to show mercy, even to our enemies, that's a serious call. It's not one that we can take lightly. So much so that it can drive us to the point of trying to hide and escape God. We'll just quit coming to church. We'll break the relationships with the church. I don't want to obey, therefore I'll just break the relationship. I won't be a part of it. I'm saved, that's all I need. But notice that Jonah clearly heard the will of God in this. There is no doubt in Jonah's mind. This was the will of God for his ministry. We might think that the will of God can be elusive, like we have to work to put all the puzzle pieces together and doing so without seeing the big picture. But friend, all we've got to do, all you've got to do is to hear from the word of God. His will is right here. His will is that you are saved, that you are sanctified. Growing in Christ's likeness. That's the will of God for you. It's right here in his word. And if we just pick up and read, but in our sin nature, rebellion is the natural bent for any man or woman, boy or girl. 
It's who we are because of our sin nature. And yet we read in this story, but God. It's one of those moments again where God intervened. He was not going to let Jonah get away. The truth is Jonah could not get away from God. When God is determined to show grace and mercy, he is going to make it happen, my friend. He will see to it. I love the way Tony Carter phrased this truth in his book, Running from Mercy. He, titled, he says this, Jonah thought Tarshish would save him from God. The wonderful truth is that God saved Jonah from Tarshish, as he always does. He thought where he was going was the place he needed to be to get away, and yet God is actually saving him by causing this storm. Friends, God's omnipresence is uh, everywhere, his omniscience, that he's all-knowing, his omnipotence, that he's all-powerful. These three things describe our God, that describe the I am who I am, and that when you run away from God, ultimately what's going to happen is you're going to run into him. Jonah would have done well to remember what the psalmist wrote. You remember those words of Psalm 139, where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. That's death. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there, your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about, uh, about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. <laughs> but rather than obey God, Jonah bought that one-way ticket. And he went to sleep. He went to sleep. In his sin of rebellion, he went to sleep. And yet God used that storm to stir up trouble for him, but not just him, the sailors. Really, at verse 7, we find him trying to outrun God, trying to get away from him. The ship captain had found him asleep in the bottom of the vessel and encourages us, too soft of a word here, commands him (laughs) to get up and cry out to his God. Jonah knew what was going to happen. He knew. In fact, he says this, verse 8, tell us on whose account the evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? It's a little get to know you game, a little icebreaker in the middle of a storm. What what is your country? What, What people are you from? And he said, I am a Hebrew. And I fear the Lord, that is Yahweh, that I am, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Ding, 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 ding. This is the guy right here. All the signs are pointing to him. He just said, I'm a Hebrew. I fear God, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. This is the reason. This is the reason that they are in this storm. They knew right then and there that his God was angry with Jonah for running. At least that's what they thought. They called on him. They called on him in his sin. When he was supposed to be the one delivering the message, they are uh, calling people out. It's the sailors, who aren't Jewish, by the way, calling him out on his sin. It's like the roles are reversed. And for Jonah, this moment is bringing him face to face with his sin, much like Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6 when he's in the presence of the throne room of God and he, he comes in, in, the, in, into, into, uh, in, the, in his vision, he, he's confronted by the holiness of God and his sin is right there and he cries out, woe is me. Now we understand Jonah is getting the picture. He knew he was wrong. That was supposed to be him telling these sailors that message and yet, or Nineveh rather, but now he's in his sin. 
He didn't come back and say, oh, Lord, you know, my GPS, uh, man, I, I missed my turn back in Samaria. I was supposed to go to, to Nineveh, Lord, and, and I'm going to get there. I'll just go on a little fishing voyage first. No. He knew. And now he's called on it. Friend, you're not going to outrun your sin. You're not going to outrun it. It will find you out. In fact, God says so in his word in Numbers 32. He says, you have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. Daniel chapter 2, he reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and that light dwells with him. Friend, God knows. God reveals. The child of God should acknowledge what it is, sin. And if you're a sinner today and you're not a child of God, you're not trusted Jesus, friend, that's the first step to understand that you have sin in your life. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. So we're all in that together. But listen, God loves you too much to leave you in that place of darkness. And if there's not conviction over that sin, then you better check your relationship with him. If you think he's okay with you, Christian brother or sister, wallowing in your sin and living in it, then you've got a serious issue. Chapter 2 comes, and we find Jonah now in the appointed fish. Listen, don't send me an email about what kind of fish that was. I don't know. All right? Save yourself the strokes on the keypad. But the fish isn't the point. It's appointed by God to go and swallow Jonah as he's thrown overboard. One man dies to save many. Sound familiar? I'm telling you, the gospel is so soaked in the story of Jonah. Chapter 2, then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, notice where he's calling from. I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. And then I said, I am driven away from your sight. Yet shall I again look upon your holy temple? You hear where he's calling from? He said, out of the depths, Sheol, out of death, a place of darkness, out of distress. Listen, sometimes we fool ourselves, like, ah, It's just a little sin. It's not a big deal. I can quit when I want. I'm not in distress over it. I'm not in the depths of darkness. Come on. Then you have a poor understanding of sin. Let me put it in King James language for you. Yea, thou sin stinketh. 1 Peter 2.9 says that he has called Christians out of darkness into his marvelous light. There's a transaction that took place at the cross where Jesus suffered the wrath of God, taking our place, taking the punishment, receiving the punishment for our sin. That moment, that transaction that happens when we come to faith in him is also now worked in our life and we receive that forgiveness of sin, but it's also trans. Transitional. It takes us from darkness being in our sin into his marvelous light. I wonder, I wonder if, if Peter thought marvelous was the only word he could find. 
out of darkness into his marvelous light. This prayer of repentance that Jonah offers in chapter two is literally going to take him out of darkness and into marvelous light. As he listened to the rebellious prophet pray, we also hear these words from Jonah, and you heard my voice from the belly of the fish in distress out of the depths, sinking in sin and darkness, God heard my voice. Lord, you heard my voice. That is the prayer that God always wants to hear and does hear, the prayer of repentance, the prayer of one trusting in Christ for salvation. Perhaps rather than the song we sang, it's the greatest prayer of all is when a lost sinner comes home. Some of you may need to pray that today having never put your trust in Jesus, and God will hear you if you do. Sometimes we get wrapped up in thinking, I just I want a sermon that's going to tell me all about the wonderful parts of my life. Give me, give me a wonderful plan for my life. But listen, the, the greatest plan God has for you is that you are a great sinner in need of a greater Savior, and his name is Jesus. That's his wonderful plan for you. To take you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's his plan. Not the riches and, and, and comforts of this world. Those things aren't going to last. Did you notice that Queen, sweet Queen Elizabeth II, that crown is staying put, isn't it? It ain't going with her. She's going to be on equal footing with you someday before the, the throne of God. Not the riches and comforts of earth, but joyous and the joyous and glorious presence of God. That's his plan for you. That's what he wants for you. And what Jonah did here is what we all must do. He repented of that sin. It's essential to the message of the gospel. John the Baptist in Matthew chapter 3, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The message that Jesus preached in Matthew chapter 4, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The disciples in Mark chapter 6, they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. Jesus in Revelation chapter 2. Oh, there's one at the end of time, right? Remember, therefore, from what, where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. It's a sincere desire, folks, that God places in our heart to forsake sin, forget sin, turn away from it, and to walk in obedience with Christ as we are moved from darkness into his marvelous light by the grace of God. Now, sometimes we get in the habit of trying to point the finger they made me do it. You know, it's like exactly what Adam did, right? You know, it's like, hey, God, it's her, right? The one you brought me, the one you gave me to help me, she hurt me. It's her fault. No, dude, you did it. Kids love doing that. They're always pointing the finger. Somebody made me do it. Ah, Own it. Own it. It's the only way that we go to repentance is when we own our sin. It is mine. I did it. I am guilty. And then you find God's redemption. Look at verse 10. Actually, the end of verse 9, Jonah gets it. He knew it all along, but I think now he's understanding. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. There is redemption for Jonah. Purchased from sin into freedom. Redemption is an interesting word. It's a powerful word. It's an important word. That God pursues us because we need to be redeemed. We're lost. 
Redemption is an offer at a second chance as we've been purchased from sin into the freedom to live with Christ in the power of the resurrection. Being purchased for freedom and given that second chance is, is such a vital thing to who we are as we grow in Christ's likeness. But one important key that Jonah's going to forget at the end of the story is that we don't deserve that second chance. We don't deserve that. And yet, we understand from Scripture, Jesus himself, that he didn't come to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Patience of God. The plan of God, the power of God, all at work in his son Jesus to bring about repentance and the redemption of lost sinners. Friend, he came to save you. That's, that's his will. Salvation is his will. That's his plan. But we also we've got to remember that that day is coming, the day of the Lord. That when the trumpet sounds, time will be no more. It's coming. So today, if you're watching on Facebook or YouTube or you're, you're in this very room this morning, if you hear his voice calling you, if you sense the Spirit of God leading you to faith, listen to him. He is ready to save you. Cry out to him. Cry out from the, the distress in your life, out of the depths that your sin is in, that you're in, in your sin, excuse me, and cry out to him and he will hear you. God has reconciled the world to himself by sending Jesus to die on the cross for you where he took that wrath and he took that punishment for you. There's a time in Jesus' ministry in Matthew chapter 12 where he uses this very story of Jonah to relay a message to the religious leaders and Pharisees of his day. Matthew chapter 12, verses 38 and following. It says, some of the scribes and Pharisees answered saying, teacher, we wish to see a sign from you like they hadn't already seen one, two, or 20. One more sign, one more sign. But he answered them. In fact, this is what he says. An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Then the men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this great generation, excuse me, with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Jonah's great. Jesus is greater. Jonah preached the message in chapter 3. He preaches the message that God sent him for in his second opportunity. He goes to Nineveh. Arise, he says again to, to, to Jonah, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. And so Jonah spends three days walking through the city. Yet 40 days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Whew, that's going to win friends and influence people. It did. The people of Nineveh, verse 5, the people of Nineveh believed God. Yes, Lord, they believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. Not only just the people, but even the king himself. He demands as he removes his robe and covers himself with sackcloth and ashes. That's a sign of mourning and brokenness, grief. He issued the proclamation in verse 7. Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not eat, uh, not feed or drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them call out mightily to God. Let them call out mightily to God. 
When was the last time you called out mightily to God over your sin? Chapter 4, we move into a time where Jonah, Jonah's going to get another lesson. We see Jonah's resentment and yet God's restraint one more time. As the people of Nineveh cry out in repentance, in verse 10 it says, when, they saw, when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he said he would do to them and he did not do it. They repented, God pulled back. Verse four, uh, chapter four, verse one, excuse me. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. What? Pastor, shouldn't you be excited and happy when people come to Jesus? Absolutely. I'm thrilled. There's nothing better to see. But what if it was my enemy? What if it's that person that hurt me? Feels like Jonah too. He prayed to the Lord. Here's the real reason he left. Oh Lord, is this not what I said when I was yet in my country? That that is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you were a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O oh Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. He knew exactly what was going to happen because he knew already the grace and mercy of God and how God was long-suffering and slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, relenting from disaster when his people repent. You know, sometimes God takes care of our enemy, but not the way we wish he would take care of them. Sometimes he takes care of them, not like Sodom and Gomorrah, where he sends down hellfire and brimstone upon them, but rather he takes care of them by extending grace and mercy. And I, for one, am glad that he does that because we're all in that same boat. As Isaiah reminded us, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And yet we find Jonah in a place of resentment. He's angry, he's displeased, he's frustrated. And what he perceives is a wrong. The Assyrians, the Ninevites, they did not deserve that according to Jonah. He's angry at God because God didn't punish Nineveh. He relented. Jonah was ready for God to like throw down on him, man. He wants some lightning bolts, some... Asteroids or something coming, meteorites falling from the sky, or maybe like uh, the rebellion of Korah where the ground opened up and swallowed them whole and closed back. I mean, there's, the Old Testament's full of great judgments, right? Like, there's, God, you got lots of tricks here. Let's see what you can do to these Ninevites. But God doesn't do that. And so God's going to teach him a lesson. He said there in verse 4, do you do well to be angry? Let's work this out here, Jonah. It's not healthy. Let's work this out. So here's what's going to happen. Jonah's up on the hillside. He's, he's complaining. He's sitting there grumbling. God puts a vine there because it's hot. He puts a vine there and it grows overnight. It gives Jonah some shade to save him from his discomfort. Jonah's grateful for the plant. Over the next night, God then appointed a worm to attack the plant. 
and that plant withers. The next day comes, and as he appointed the winds to blow from the east, the sun beats down on Jonah, on the head of Jonah. He's at the point of being fate, and then this dialogue happens. In verse 9, God says to Jonah, do you, well, do you do well to be angry for the plant? Yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in, in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle? It means they're lost. They don't know what they're doing. And here God has delivered Jonah from worshiping the gift instead of the giver of the gift. And Jonah shows again his colors, his true colors. God showed restraint one more time. Jonah shows resentment in his heart. And that's the challenge for us today, friends. When we leave this place, we are sent into the mission field of Rockport, Fulton, Ingleside, Aransas Pass, Aransas County, the Coastal Bend. We are sent out. But the challenge comes like this. It is a dangerous place for you and I to think that we have a say in whom God sheds his grace upon. If we allow our differences with other people to forget, or cause us to forget God's gracious gift of salvation, you know what's going to settle that dispute? The grace of God. You know what's going to help you not harbor the bitter feelings? Forgiveness that can only come from the grace of God. And yet if we forget, if we forget this truth, then we begin to disregard those for whom Christ has died. When our heart reflects that of what Jonah's going through here, we've clearly forgotten just how undeserving we are too of God's grace. Let us not reach that place. For the gospel will always cross racial and ethnic differences, language barriers, political party affiliations, whatever other excuse lousy excuse we could make for people who need Jesus. There are more people outside of these walls this morning that don't know their right hand from their left. There's no moral compass. And we've got the answer. So let's go to them. Let's go to them. And as we go to them, let's remember that our God is big. I know that sounds simple, right? But we have to remember that our God is big. He called Jonah to go to Nineveh. He called up the great storm, the great fish. Eventually, Jonah went with a great message. Friends, God is bigger than whatever hurdles, artificial or otherwise, that we might put in front of us or between us and other people. And if you're here this morning, you're here and, and, and you're in your, it's still in sin, then listen, God is bigger than that. God is bigger than that circumstance, bitterness, frustration, whatever it is. God is bigger than that. He is over it all. And our hearts are called to be centered in him. Because in Christ there is joy. The Ninevites got it. At least at this point they got it. Jonah didn't at first. But listen, they believed God. They, they heard the word and they believed God. And today we would say that is to believe and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're able to do that because the story of Jonah is about God and his unstoppable greatness the unstoppable greatness of his mercy and grace to the sinner. Yes, 
Mercy came running when Jonah was running from mercy. If that describes you, then I would pray you would hear the invitation from Jesus inviting you to trust him, calling you to trust him, and that you would be grasped by the grace of God and trust him today. And Christian, if you're, you're already obviously in Christ, if you are a believer, a Christian, you call yourself a Christian, I wonder, are you in Christ? Are you growing in Christ? We transgress still. We sin still today. Today's a great day to set that right. Come back to the Lord just like Jonah. Call out from the distress. Let him take that burden. Let him lift it from you. And rest in your Savior, Jesus Christ.